This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good. Okay, Bruchim Abayim, everyone. Bruchim Abayim, good morning, everyone. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone. It's a, it's a very big schus, a very big privilege to the shul. We thank the Katz and Elbogen family for sponsoring this wonderful event, this Torah event, this uh, scholar-in-residence event. of have Rabbi Daniel Gladstein here as our guest speaker. He's a very well-known speaker. He's the Rabbi of Kehillah's Teferis Mordechai in Cedarhurst, New York. Uh, he's the author of many, many beautiful svarim, and the svarim are going to be on sale immediately following the shear, and uh, he's agreed he'll sign them, inscribe them, which is always a wonderful thing. Um, Rabbi Gladstein's name goes before him as, uh, I don't want to say one of the up-and-coming speakers, because he's already he's already there. He's already he's already there as as one of the major speakers in the in the Torah world today. Very popular on uh, Torah anytime and on uh, in many other venues. And uh, he's certainly a it's a very big privilege to the shul to have him uh, to have him speak and have him share Torah. Uh, I, you know, on Motzei Shabbos we say here in the shul. I don't know, the, not everyone, but we try to say in the shul, it says that the Mokam, the greatness, Godluso, Guraso, Godluso, different Nuschos, different text of the Kodesh Baruch Hu, Shamatam and Visanuso. I mean, when you see the greatness of Hashem, that's where you see Hashem's modesty. So that, that's sort of like a, uh, always a feeling I've always had as well, that, uh, you know, tell you that he's gifted with with a beautiful intelligence, and he's gifted to be able to be a disseminator of Torah. So he certainly is using his God-given gift. But uh, there's just one personal anecdote I want to share, which makes it very special and very personal, and very meaningful to me that uh, Rabbi Gladstein is here this morning, and that is that. Um, for years, I don't know how long it was, but for years, Rabbi Glastein lived in my in my mother-in-law's building uh, in uh, in Kugarn Hills uh, in Queens, in New York. Before he he made his way up to the uh, big time in, uh, in Cedarhurst. <laughs> but um, you know, during that time, my 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 mother-in-law is a widow; uh, she lives alone. Uh, difficult. There was no Shabbos elevator in that building, and uh, when I she was here for Shabbos, many of you saw. Her. And when I told her that Rabbi Gladstein was uh, coming to speak, her comment was, "He was always so friendly to me. He always said good morning. He always had a good word. He always made sure to spend a minute with me. And to me, that's that's not worth all the Torah. That that is Torah. That is Torah." Because if it's if it's not Torah's chesed, if it's not Torah which leads to spending time with a, a widow, it's an almana who lives alone. Then then what else is there in this world? So therefore, it's especially personal privilege for all of us, but for myself especially, to have discussed to ask Rabbi Gladstein to please share words of Torah with us.
Before he clicks his mic on, everyone can put their phones off. <laughs> Good idea. Okay, good morning everyone. Thank you, Rav, for the very generous uh, introduction. I want to assure you that your Rav is a great Chacham. Because uh, Chazal tell us, The sages like to exaggerate. So thank you for the intro. Uh, the influence of the Rav reverberates far beyond the walls of uh, this eminent Beis HaKnesses. And especially in times like this, Chazal tell us that our fortress, our protection, are Batei Knesiyos and Batei Midrashais. You know, people always wonder, what is the protection of the Jewish people? We're in a time of danger. We have enemies looming. We're surrounded by Shivim Za'evim. What is the protection of the Jewish people? It's the shuls, the Batei Knesiyos. Every Amen, every Amen Yehishmei Rabbah, every Dvar Torah is a weapon, is a bullet, is a protection for the Jewish people. So at a time like this, we have to think, what can we do to support the fortresses of the Jewish people? So this Beis HaKnesses is one of the very important Mitsudais, one of the important fortresses for Klal Yisrael. And my understanding is that the shul is uh, soon having um, a fundraiser, to be able to uh, continue the efforts of the, of the Rav and the Beis HaKnesses, and really to, sh- to support Klal Yisrael and to protect Klal Yisrael. So while we're doing whatever we can to support Achenu Beis Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, let's not forget that one of the great ways we could offer protection for Klal Yisrael is supporting our own source of Haganah, and Bezos Hashem, our humble blessings to the Shul and to the Rav, they should continue L'shem Teferes, to be one of the great uh, castles and fortresses for the Jewish people. There's an episode in Parshas Vayera that I never, I never even stopped and, and thought for a moment, you know, why does the Torah speak about this episode in such great detail? We know that Avram Avinu was waiting quite a while to have a child, and Sarah was already 90, and Avraham was uh, 99. And the Malach comes, three Malachim come to Avraham, and they say, guess what, good news, next year, Kais Chaya, you're going to have a child. Fine. And Avraham uh, serves the Malachim, Vel Habaka Ratz Avraham. And really the story should end there. In other words, the Malachim come, they tell Avraham, you're going to have a kid, and uh, Avraham says, great news. And we'll read in the end of the parasha that Vashem Pak Sarah, that Sarah had a child. But the story continues. The story records the reaction of Sarah to this news of the Malach Hashem. What was Sarah's reaction? Vatitzchak Sarah Bekir Balemar. Sarah laughed. She was 89 actually. Sarah laughed. Why do we need to know Sarah laughed? Why does the Torah record this? Is this, is this an honor for Sarah Imenu? That here it is, she's waiting her whole life. She davened and davened and davened. 
And the Rebbein Shalom comes through the ages of the Malach and says she's going to have a child. And Sarah laughed. It's what I call too much information. What do I need to know that for? And the story continues. The Rebbein Shalom is upset at Sarah. And the Rebbein Shalom comes to Avram and he says, Avram, why'd she laugh? You know, if I would have asked Avraham and told Avraham that Sarah laughed, you know what you would have called that? Lashon Hara. Maybe Rechilos. But the Rebbein Shalom is allowed to do it. He's the ultimate truth. And he comes to Avraham and he said, why did Sarah laugh? And the story continues. Avraham goes to Sarah. Why do you laugh? Now how did Avraham know that Sarah laughed? God must have told him. So now Avraham... If, if I would have done that, that would have been downright rechilas. Avraham tells Sarah, why do you laugh? And Sarah says, I know what you're talking about. Why do you always blame me? Well, I didn't laugh. And Vayoymer loy kitzachak, he laughed. Who said those words, Vayoymer loy kitzachak? We simply understand it to mean, Avraham said, no, you laughed. You know, the Nitziv learns that these are not the words of Avraham, these are the words of God. You know, Chazal say that Avraham was tafel to Sarah ben Avius. Avraham was secondary to Sarah in prophecy. Then it's asked, what do you mean? Avraham was secondary to Sarah in prophecy? Does anybody know how many times did God speak to Sarah in the whole Chumash? Once. And what did he say? He said two words. He said, no, you laughed. Loi, kitzachakt. Three words. Says the Chafetz Chaim, somebody showed me a letter. The Chafetz Chaim says, I studied this. I could not figure out what is this all about. Why do I need to know Sarah laughed? Why did God ask Avraham, why did she laugh? Why did Avraham ask her, why do you laugh? Why did Sarah deny it? And why did Avraham or Hashem press the issue, no, you laughed? What's this all about? What do I need to know this? Says the Heilige Chafetz Chaim, this story is us. In the end of days, in 2023. Because we know, we sense it, it's just around the corner. The redemption is, it's coming. So if it's coming, why don't we prepare ourselves? Do we do tshuva every single day? Do we say, we wake up in the morning, I'm returning to you, I'm repenting. Whenever you're ready, I'm ready for you. Why don't we do that? The answer is because we laugh. We're incredulous. We don't really think it's happening. The reaction of Sarah is our attitude toward the Geula. Deep down, we're laughing. We say, I'm going to just do my thing. You let me know when Mashiach is here. In the meantime, I'm going to be following Yeshiva World News and Matzav every three seconds to, to see the same recycled thing that, you know, somebody else made up. And then they're going to retract it, and then they're going to apologize for retracting it. Nothing against any news outlet. But most of the time, it did happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen yet, maybe one day it will happen. It should have happened. You wake me up when Mashiach is coming. We're laughing. And the Rebbein Shalom is going to ask us when Mashiach comes, why do you laugh? Why weren't you ready? Why didn't you prepare? And we're going to say, I, wasn't, I was ready. I was waiting. I was prepared. 
And we don't want Hashem to say to us, No, you laughed. You weren't really waiting. You weren't really prepared. We know that after 120, one of the primary questions that a person is going to be asked, of course, we're responsible for all 613 mitzvahs, but the Gemara identifies there are certain overarching mitzvahs that we are most responsible for, and one of them is, they're going to ask us, did you await the coming of Mashiach? Which is a question, really? We really have to be awaiting the coming of Mashiach? Where does it say that in the Chumash? Which parsha? Anybody know? What parsha does it say you have to await the coming of Mashiach? At first glance, it seems like an unusual obligation when there's so many mitzvahs in the Torah and there's so many important mitzvahs in the Torah, and yet we'd be hard-pressed to identify where exactly does the Chumash, does the Torah demand that we await the coming of Mashiach. We would expect that the six questions that were asked after 120 somehow be all-inclusive, encompassing mitzvahs. Yet, where exactly are we expected to await the coming of Mashiach? But before we address that question, what I would like to do this morning is perhaps to make it a little bit more real and so that we could connect to this ideal a little bit greater to identify specific junctures in time when we could fulfill this great objective in life of awaiting for the coming of Mashiach. So let's start with Shemana Esrei. We know we say two brachas in Shemana Esrei. We say, And we say, Is there any difference between these two brachas? Are they the same idea? We mentioned David in, in both of them. What is the... What is the theme of Vilushalayim Ircha and the theme of Esemach David? It's interesting, according to some, it's really one bracha. I believe the Toysus Rid and Sukkah points out, you know, if you notice, do they say Kroivitz? Most shuls, uh, is not a very popular, adding to the davening, let's put it that way, is not a very popular <laughs> custom, you know. Condensing actually usually works better, you know. So it's surprising that most people are more receptive to condensing than to adding. But if you study the Kravitz on Purim, which are additions, Kravitz, by the way, stands for Koil, Rina, Vishua, Ba'ale, Tzadikim. There is an addition to all the brachas of the Shemana Esrei, except for Esemach David. And the Tosus Rid says, because Vishalayim and Esemach David is really one bracha. But we say it as two different brachas. What exactly is the difference between Vishalayim Ircha and Esemach David? So I always understood, and I think it's it's correct that Yushalayim is asking for the rebuilding of Yushalayim, and Esemach David is the restoration of the Malchus based David. Even though we mention David and Yushalayim, because really Yushalayim does not have a halachic status of Yushalayim without the Malchus based David, but it's a separate idea conceptually. There's Yushalayim and as Esemach David. But actually, the Arizal says something else. The Rizal says there's a concept, and we're going to come back to this in the end, of two Mashiachs. There's Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. We're going to have to address why do we need a Mashiach ben Yosef and a Mashiach ben David. So the, the Arizal says, when you say, David You should have in mind that you want the Rebbe to send Mashiach ben Yosef. 
Because Mashiach ben Yosef is the throne of David. It's the preparation, the foundation of David. So when you say, V'chisei David mehira l'saychatachen, you should request the Mashiach ben Yosef's safe arrival, because there's a tradition that Mashiach ben Yosef's arrival may be met with opposition, difficulty, or perhaps even worse. So we daven for the safe arrival of Mashiach ben Yosef. And when you say, you should be mechavin for the coming of Mashiach ben David. So that after 120, when they ask you, Nu, Rabir, did you await the coming of Mashiach? We say, yeah. When? So at least we could say, look, three times a day, or whenever I daven the Shemana Esrei, I had in mind, I stopped, I don't know, I, you know, maybe put like a red alert in the Siddur, put a mark in the Siddur, stop, focus, try to engender a feeling of awaiting for the Mashiach when you say the words, Ki Lishuascha Kivinu Kalhayim. That is one juncture that we could be Mikhaim, the Inyan of being Mitzap Elishua. Number two, Friday night. There's this thing called Kabbalah Shabbos that Jewish people say Friday night. They do it in Passaic? Yeah? They're a good audience. They laugh a little bit. <laughs> if you notice, in the stanzas of L'chadoidi, which was written by Rav Shlomo Al-Kabetz, there are about ten stanzas. Most of them have nothing at all to do with Shabbos. Nothing at all to do with Shabbos. Now, the first three, the three that people say when they're awake, are about, are about Shabbos. L'chadoidi l'kras kala, p'nei Shabbos kala. Shamar v'zachar b'dibur echad. That's about Shabbos. And then people start nodding. But actually, if you would keep yourself awake, the rest of it has nothing to do with Shabbos at all. Mikdash Melech Yer Melucha is the base HaMikdash. Hisna'ari Me'afar Kumi Livshi Bigdei Sefartei Al-Yad Ben Yishai is a request for the coming of Mashiach Ben David. Hisoyri, Hisoyri, Uri, Uri, Shir Daberi is a tefillah that Hashem should restore prophecy. Hashem should cover up the shame of Yushalayim. Yaminus Maltifraitzi talks about the expansion of Yushalayim. You know, Yushalayim will expand Ad Damesek. Let the Syrians know now that Jerusalem will extend all the way till Damascus. I'm not, I have a feeling they're really going to embrace that. The expansion of Jerusalem until Damascus. And then, by the time you stand up and you turn to the West, you're greeting the Shabbos. But the vast majority of L'chadoidi that almost all Kehillers and Klal Yisrael say have absolutely nothing to do with Shabbos. It's about the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash, the restoration of Malchus Beis David. Why, on Friday night, as we're awaiting the coming of, the, of Shabbos, are we not reciting a tefillah about Shabbos? Instead, we're praying for the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash, the restoration of Machos Beis David, and so forth. Says Hagoyin Rav Moshe Shapiro, something out of this world. He says, the Gemara tells us in Masech Tainus and Aflamid, a very interesting tidbit. The Gemara says, did you know what day of the week the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed? Okay, anybody know? Uh, there are eight possibilities. Right? Because there are only eight days a week. There are eight possibilities. Say, what? What's this guy talking about? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, Matzai Shabbos. So, Matzai Shabbos. 
The Gemara tells us the first base Hamikdash and the second base Hamikdash were all destroyed. They're both destroyed Matzai Shabbos. Why Matzai Shabbos? Says the Maral, Dvarim Bemikra, great things are never happenstance. You see, there's a concept in Jewish thought that time and place can coincide. There are times that correspond to places that correspond to people. This is called Ashan, Oilam Shana Nefesh. There are times that correspond to places. The time, the Zman of Shabbos in time corresponds to the Beis HaMikdash in place. In other words, what Shabbos is in time, the Beis HaMikdash is in place. Shabbos is the Mikdash of time. The Beis HaMikdash is the Shabbos of place. Therefore, the only time that the Beis HaMikdash could be destroyed is when you're moving away from Shabbos. When you're exiting Shabbos, when you're moving away from, that's a time that's possible. It's a gap, it's a juncture that's possible for Chorban Beis HaMikdash. But as you're headed toward, then conversely, that's the opportunity for the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Therefore, the Beis HaMikdash, both the first and the second, were both destroyed at the one time of the week that you're moving away from Shabbos. When are you ever moving away from Shabbos? Sunday is Hayom Yom Rishain. Monday is Hayom Yom Sheni. Tuesday is Hayom Yom Shlishi B'Shabbos. There's only one juncture in time that you're moving away from Shabbos. What is it? Matzai Shabbos. Matzai Shabbos is the only possibility for Korban. Therefore, conversely, says Ramesha Shapira, the time that's predisposed and designated for yearning for the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash is Kabbalah Shabbos. Meaning, since Shabbos and the Mikdash are synonymous, as we're awaiting and yearning and pining for Shabbos, we are likewise expressing our yearning and pining for the Geula and the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. Therefore, says Ramesha Shapiro, he writes a very interesting language, Halacha Lamaisa. This is not just Jewish thought, this is practical halacha. After 120, we have a great responsibility to be able to answer in the affirmative that we were mitzapel Yeshua. When were we mitzapel Yeshua? When? When do we do it? The great time that's designated to be mitzapel Yeshua is Friday night Kabbalah Shabbos. You'll ask the Rav, your halachic authority, but I know sometimes the women gather together Friday night to say Tehillim, that's beautiful, but maybe it shouldn't be at the expense of Kabbalah Shabbos. Kabbalah Shabbos has a specific goal and objective. You don't want to give that up. It's a time, it's designated for the fulfillment of one of the greatest ideals in life, namely, yearning for the Geula. Even Friday night, we don't say, Baruch Hashem, Shoimer Amo Yisrael Lo'ad. We say, Hapoyrei Sukkah Sholoim Aleinu V'akol Yisrael V'yal Yerushalayim. We daven for Yerushalayim. Why are we davening for Yerushalayim? We're not in Yerushalayim. Psaik's a great place, but it's not Yerushalayim. Cedarhurst is even better. <laughs> Why? Because when Mashiach comes, it's the closest to JFK. <laughs> Closer to Newark. To Newark? How many minutes? <laughs> On Sunday I could beat you. <laughs> so the second designated spot is Kabbalah Shabbos. The third. This is an idea that occurred to me recently. 
probably the most famous comments of the Ramban in all of his commentary is the Ramban at the end of Parshas Bai. Before I tell you what the Ramban says in a nutshell, I want to come back and address a question we started with. If awaiting the Mashiach is so important, why is there no mitzvah in the Torah to await the coming of Mashiach? Says the Smak, Sefer Mitzvah's Katan. There is a mitzvah in the Torah to await the coming of Mashiach. You know what it is? Anoichi Hashem Aleikecha Asher Sicha Me'eretz Mitzrayim. Belief in Hashem requires Emunah in the coming of Mashiach. How so? Says Asmak. Well, the Hashem introduced Himself to Klal Yisrael. I am the Almighty. I took you out of Egypt. So says Asmak. If we're obligated to believe in the existence of Hashem and that He redeemed us from Mitzrayim, part and parcel of that is belief He's going to redeem us from our current Golos. That means the first mitzvah in the Torah is to believe there's a Creator who controls this world and is going to take us out of New York and New Jersey. That's the first mitzvah in the Torah. The first mitzvah in the Torah is there's going to be a geula and you need to wait for it. Okay. The Ramban, in the end of Parshas Bay, asked the basic question, why are there so many mitzvahs that are zeichel itzies mitzrayim? You know, so you wake up in the morning and you walk out. No, don't walk out the door. There's a sign on the door. The sign reminds you that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And then you tie the tefillin around your arm in case you're going to forget that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. You limit your circulation for an hour and you wrap it around your head so that you don't forget Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim. And then on the way out of the shul, in case you forgot, since you took off your tefillin, you have another reminder. And if you went to get a coffee and then you went home, you have another reminder on the mezuzah on your house. And you said, Shema, there you also reminded yourself that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And then to take a cup of, to take a cup of wine Friday night and declare, Zeicher Litzias Mitzrayim. And you now do malacha every seventh day to remember Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And if that's not enough, seven days a year, you need to leave your house and sit in a booth to remember Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And if that's not enough, you can't eat bread for seven days a year. Says Ramban, I'm not going to forget. Why, why do we have so many reminders? Says Ramban, because Rebbe Nishlam performed the greatest show in history to demonstrate that He's the Creator and He controls this world. And there's prophecy and that Torah is min Hashemayim. And he's not going to prove himself in every generation. So therefore the Rebbe Shalom says, you may never forget this. I want you to attach it to your doorposts. I want you to wrap it around your arms. I want you to stop what you're doing every seventh day. I want you to declare it over a cup of wine every Leil Shabbos. You're going to sit in a booth seven days a week. Let not, there not be a doorpost that you walk through that doesn't remind you of this. So now let's put the smak together with the Ramban. If every moment of the day we're encountered with reminders that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, and part and parcel of remembering Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim is the belief in the coming of the Geula, that means kemat, every moment of the day we need to remind ourselves to await for the coming of Mashiach. Which means every doorway you go through, since of course we always remember when we walk through the door, 
that it serves as a reminder. Of course, you know, it's, it's so ironic. Nobody would ever chas v'shalayim, not kiss the mezuzah. Where it says that, I'm not sure. But to fulfill the da'iraisa of the purpose of a mezuzah, namely to remember that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, which according to the smak means to await the coming of Mashiach, that means every Jewish door you walk through is supposed to be or an alert, I'm yearning for the coming of the Mashiach. And every time I say Kriya Shema, I'm saying, Ani Hashem Aleikeichem, Asher Hoytzeisi Eschem Meyaretz Mitzrayim. And that's supposed to be a reminder, I believe Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, and I'm awaiting the coming of Mashiach. And every Friday night as I make or listen to Kiddush, and I'm remembering Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, I'm awaiting the coming of Mashiach. Because when that great day comes and Hashem says, Did you laugh? We're going to say, I didn't laugh. I wasn't laughing. I was on it. I was on it. I didn't divert my mind from the coming of Mashiach not one moment of my life. I remember that every Kriya Shema is not only to remember Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, but also to instill within me a yearning for Mashiach. And every doorway, and every Hanachas Tfilin, and every Kiddush Friday night, and every Shabbos, and every Sukkah, and every Pesach, You ever wonder what those words mean? To wait the Mashiach all day long? What do you mean all day long? All day long? Yeah, all day long. Your mezuzah, your tefillin, your kriya shema, your Shabbos, your sukkis, your Pesach. Oh, you start, you already started preparing for Pesach? Great! Every drawer, every sock, every nook and cranny, that you're searching for the chametz, you're yearning for the coming of Shabbat. Otherwise, what are you doing? That's the purpose of it. That's number three. And here's number four. You know in the fourth juncture to yearn for the coming of Mashiach? Right now. And when I say right now, I mean with the events that are unfolding before our eyes. To try to put into a historical context, what is, what is taking place today? What is happening? You know, I feel that it, even in my own lifetime, as a kid, if you would have asked me, you know, what Gullus are we in? People say we're in Gullus Edoim, Gullus Roimi. What else? That's what, that's what everybody would have said. And yet, if you ask people today, what Gullus are we in? There's almost a new answer to that question. It's something, we saw the transition of this in our own times. Somehow we've now been exposed to a new idea, a new concept. Something called Golos Yishmael. What is Golos Yishmael? Where does it come from? What's the basis of it? What's the source of it? Why don't the Midrashim talk about it? You know, if you look in the Midrashim on Sefer Bereshis, in countless places, almost every single time you have the number four in Bereshis, whether it's the four rivers of the Garden of Eden, whether it's the very beginning of the Torah, the Medrash says the four Golas, the four rivers in Gan Eden, the four Golas, the Brisbane Habasaram, Ema, Chashecha, Gedela, Noifelas, Alav. 
again and again and again, even in uh, this past week's passage of Ayetzeh, the Adorim and the Even, the four Golosim. And every single time, Medrish Rabbah says, Bavel, Babylon, Paras, Persia, Yavon, Greece, Edom, Rome. Every single time. What about Golos Yishmael? Why is Yishmael not on the list? Is Yishmael a Golos? Should it be on the list? What Golos are we in now? Is America one Golos? Is Eretz Yisrael a different Golos? So actually, the Ibn Ezra interestingly says Yishmael is one of the fourth four Golosim. The fourth, the fourth Golos is Golos Yishmael. And what's the third? He says Yavon and Roimi, because Rome came from Greece. So Ibn Ezra identifies the third Golos is Greece and Rome, and the fourth is Golos Yishmael. But the Ramban vehemently disagrees. Because Ramban says that every Medrish identifies the fourth Golos as Golos Edoim. So now the million dollar question is, why is Yishmael not one of the Golosim? Right? Good question. So the Maharal in a number of places gives two answers to this question. First I'm going to tell you the answer he doesn't like. I like it. And then I'm going to tell you the answer he likes. The answer he doesn't like, he likes it, but he says the second answer is the definitive answer. He says you have to know what a golos is. A golos is when you're subject to one of the four malchios. What's a malchus? He says if you want to know what a malchus is, you need to understand what's malchus Yisrael. Why do we have malchus based of it? You know, we read in this week's parasha, Ruvain was born, Shimon was born, Levi was born, and when Yehuda was born, the Torah uses an expression, vata'amoid miladas. Literally, she stopped. But the Shlach HaKadosh says, Vata'amoid means a lashon of Amida. Amida. What does that mean? See, God has a throne. But God is not recognized in this world without His throne. You know what His throne is? Avraham is one leg. Yitzchak is a second leg. Yaakov is a third leg. The fourth leg is David HaMelech. David Huregel Ravi. Which means without David, the throne has no stability. So when Yehuda was born, God's throne had stability. You see, God is only recognized in the world through the medium of Malchus based David. When David sat on his throne, through the medium of David, Hashem was recognized in this world. The majesty, the power of the Rebunshim was recognized in this world. But the Babylonians came. They destroyed the base Hamikdash. They almost destroyed Malchus based David. By the way, the Medrash says, when they blinded Sidkiyahu, the Medrash said Sidkiyahu should have taken the Babylonians and slammed their head on the floor, the Medrash says. A very strong language. How could you allow the Davidic dynasty to fall to the floor? Malchus based David is the medium with which God is recognized in the world, but the Babylonians usurped it. And then when the Persians conquered the Babylonians, they took the Babylonian power, which is our power, and they usurped. And then the Greeks conquered the Persians, and the Persians conquered, who conquered from Babylon, who took our. And the fourth Golos, Golos Adoim, is really holding hostage Malchus Yisrael. Says the Maral, the definition of Malchus is 
The power that originally belonged to the Jewish people, that was usurped by these entities, but Yishmael never took our power, the Maral says. Yishmael's power is an independent source of power. What's Yishmael's source of power? Four words. Avraham Avinu Davin for Yishmael, he said, Lu Yishmael Yichya Lefanecha. That's, it, that's all. Everything you see today, everything we see today is from a tefillah of Abraham Avinu. Lu Yishmael Yichya Lefanecha. The Zayhar even says that we have a taina on Abraham for offering that tefillah. And when the Navi Yeshaya says, Loy Avinu Ata, it's the Jewish people telling Abraham, why didn't you pray for us the way you prayed for Yishma? And the reasons why Abraham did that. There are many, many reasons. But these are just the facts that the Maral lays out. The power of Yishmael is not the Malchus of Yisrael, it's the Tefillah of Abraham Avinu. Therefore, they don't make the bill. They're not on the list. The list are powers that usurp Malchus Yisrael. Yishmael never takes Malchus Yisrael. But says the Maral, let me tell you the definitive answer. And before we hear the definitive answer of the Maral, I want to share with you two Gemaras. And you'll see how the Maral literally opens up the heavens and how the Gemara predicted 1500 years ago exactly what is taking place today. The Gemara Navadizara tells us that in the end of days, God will take out a Sefer Torah and He'll say, whoever contributed to this, come get your reward. So the UN will convene. And they're going to take a vote. And they're going to unanimously support Israel and the Jewish people. And that they're all worthy of receiving reward. Because all of our dear friends in the UN, who love us so much, and have our back, they do everything so that we can learn Tyra. So God's going to say, okay, please line up and come get your reward. So the Gemara says the first nation who's going to line up is Rome. And Rome's going to say, we built marketplaces and bathhouses. And everything we did was so that there could be more yeshivas and kailalim and klal yisrael. And God's going to say, you fools. Interesting, He doesn't say, you're wrong. I used you for that. But you're a fool because that wasn't your kavana. You fools. That wasn't your intention. And the Gemara says they're going to walk away dejected and empty-handed and they're not going to receive any reward. The Gemara says who will be the next nation who will request reward? Paras, Persia. And Persia will say we waged many wars, we built many bridges, we conquered many cities. Everything we did, Persia says, is so that the Jewish people will be able to learn Taira. And God's going to say again, "You're, you're also fools. That's not what you did it for. Ask the Gemara, why will these be the two nations that will request reward in the end of days? Says the Gemara, because they're very chashav. Ask the Gemara, what makes Rome and Persia chashav? Says the Gemara, they'll be because they are the only two nations that will exist until Mashiach comes. Rome and Persia. What in the world does the Gemara mean? 
there will only be two nations that will last until Mashiach comes. Rome. The Roman Empire fell 2,000 years ago. Rome will last until Mashiach comes. So for Rome, we call it a halbatsara. That's not a big deal. USA. USA. The United States of America is the spiritual heir of the values, of the Judeo-Christian values. And the United States, and I believe the Ben Chai writes this explicitly, the United States of America is Roymi today. So if you want to know what does the Gemara mean that Roymi will last until Mashiach comes, that we have a way to explain. But what does the Gemara mean that Paras will last until Mashiach comes? Persia will last until Mashiach comes, really? Didn't Greece destroy Persia more than 1,500 years ago? Do you know what's left of Persia today? Let me tell you. You could go to the British Museum and there was a Persian who was drinking coffee 1,700 years ago. You know what they found? They found his coffee mug. But not the cup part, the handle. So if you want to know what's left of the Persian Empire, there they found a handle of a mug from 1,700 years ago. But what does the Gemara mean? That Persia will last until Mashiach comes. So if it makes you feel better to think that the Gemara is talking about Iran, that until Mashiach comes, there will be two nations standing. United States of America and Iran. Okay, if that makes you feel better, great. There are those who learn that way. I don't believe the Maral learns that way. But what's more frightening is the Gemara and Yuma. Because the Gemara says that before the end of days there will be two nations standing and the Gemara wants to know who will de- defeat who? Who will beat who? So now living here in the United States of America we hope the Gemara is going to say that Rome will destroy Persia. That makes us feel better. This way we could sit in the tri-state area until Mashiach comes, knowing that the last nation standing will be Asidin Paras Lipo Biad Roimi. But frighteningly, the Gemara doesn't say that. The Gemara brings the opinion of Rebbe. Asida Roimi Shetipo Biad Paras. Rome will fall to Paras. Does that make you feel good? How does that make you feel? The Gemara says, before Mashiach comes, Asidin Roimi Shetipo Biad Paras. The Gemara continues, the Gemara brings the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, Asida Roimi Shetipo Biad Paras. And then the Gemara brings a dissenting view, Asida Paras Shetipo Biad Roimi. So based on the Gemara Navayda Zara and the Gemara Numa, it comes out that before Mashiach comes, there'll be two nations standing. Rome and Persia. And regarding who will defeat who, it's a machlaikas. But really, the serious question is, what does it mean that Paras will last until the end of time? So let me come back to the Maral. Regarding the question, why is Yishmael not on the list? Why is he not one of the four exiles? Says the Maral, he is one of the four exiles. Which exile is he? Says the Maral, Yishmael is Paras. Yishmael is Paras? But Yishmaelim are not Persians, and Persians are not Yishmaelim. Says Maral, the four Golosim are not four ethnicities. They're not four religions. 
They're not for countries. They're not for types of genetics. The four exiles are four personality types. And the Paras and Yishmael have the same personality. They wage a lot of wars. Therefore, says Maral, when the Gemara refers to Paras, Yishmael is part of Paras. According to the Maral, the heavens have opened up. Because when the Gemara says in the end of days there will be two nations standing, Roimi and Paras, now we have a way to understand this. In the end of days there will be two nations, there will be two superpowers. United States of America, the Western world, and Yishmael. And according to the Maral, the Gemara predicted more than 1,500 years ago exactly how things will play out in the end of days. There'll be two superpowers. There'll be Rome and Paras, United States of America and Yishmael. And now the million dollar question is, who stands last? And I'm not here to make you feel good. That's your rabbi's job. <laughs> the Gemara, according to most views, say, Asida, Roimi, Shatipa, Biad, Paras, Yishmael is the last man standing. Rav disagrees. Rav says, Asida, Paras, Shatipa, Biad, Roimi. So you say, I better, I hope we pass him like Rav. I hope the United States will be standing last. And the good news is, Toysus in Avodazara, when he quotes the Gemara Yuma regarding who's the last man standing, Toysus just brings the opinion of Rav that Roimi is the last man standing. But it does seem like most later authorities seem to say that Galus Yishmael is the last Galus. Reb Chaim Vital writes that after the four Golosim, there will be a fifth Golos, Golos Yishmael. The Vilna Goin writes, we mentioned there are two Mashiachs, Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. Says the Gra, why do we need two Mashiachs? Says the Gra, Mashiach ben Yosef is called Shar, Bechar Shoiroi Hadarlai. Mashiach ben David is called Chamar, Ani Veroichev al Chamar. Mashiach ben Yosef will take us out of Golos Edoim. Esav is called Ashar, Parim, bulls. First comes Mashiach ben Yosef and he takes us out of Golos Edoim. Then comes Mashiach ben David. The Oni v'Roichiv al-Chamar and he'll take us out of the Golos of the, of the Shavula Chempoim ha-Chamar. Golos Yishmael. But one thing the Gras says that's very frightening is the Gras says, don't you ever mix the Shar and the Chamar together. Don't you ever mix Esav and Yishmael together. If Esav and Yishmael ever got together, they would destroy the entire world. That's why you can't plow with an ox and a donkey together. And my understanding is, the Rav told me in this shul, nobody plows with an ox and a donkey together. Kal don't you ever plow with an ox and a donkey together. The ox represents Esav. The Chamar represents Yishmael. You cannot mix the two. If they would ever come together, they would destroy the world. My grandfather, who is a Holocaust survivor, passed away a few years ago at 106 years old. He was a Talmud Muvukar of Menachem Zemba. He wrote in his memoirs that when he was in Auschwitz, he saw Eichmann. Eichmann invited a special guest to Auschwitz, the Mufti from Jerusalem. 
And the Eichmann and the Mufti would sit together arm in arm and they would pass Jews in front of them and they would beat them. You want to know what a world looks like when Esav and Yishmael get together? I, Auschwitz. So many people, they think that if, uh, you know, the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Israel and Arafat, they get together and they shake hands, that's a good thing. Watch out! Watch out if Esau and Yishmael ever come together. And according to the Maral, there was another instance in history when Esau and Yishmael got together. There was a man by the name of Haman. Achashverosh came from what nation? Paras. Paras and Yishmael are synonymous. You know what happens when Haman and Achashverosh come together? Lehashmid, Laroik, Uliabed. Says the going, that's why when Esav was very angry at Yaakov, Vayistoim Esav Liyakov, what did he do? Vayelech Esav El Yishmael, Vayisos Machalas Bas Yishmael. Because Esav knew the only way to destroy Yaakov is to be in cahoots with Yishmael. <coughs> Reb Chaim Kinevsky, Zechatzakivracha, offers an opinion of who will be the last man standing. He says, interestingly, if you look at Rashi and Zechariah, Rashi tells us that the four Golosim are really dual Golosim. Bavel, Kazdi. Paras, Madai. Persia, and Media. You know, the Media is the biggest Golos of all. Yavan, Moikdan. Edoim, Yishmael. So the four Golosim are really eight. Says Reb Chaim, wow, how convenient. You know, isn't it interesting? In Chad Gadya, there are eight characters. You have the cat and the dog, and the stick and the fire, and the water, and the ox, and the shoychet, and the malachamavas. Says Reb Chaim, Babylonians were compared to a cat. The Gemara compares the cry of Nebuchadnezzar to a screaming shunra, cat. Koyresh, I'm sorry, Belshazzar, the Gemara says, drank from the kalim of the base of Mikdash. He licked it up like a kalba, like a dog. Koyresh beat his oppressors with a stick, Chazal say. But the Persian Achashverosh, he's fire. And Alexander the Great of Macedonia, the Gemara in Talmud says, he comes to Gan Eden, they sprinkle water on him, he's Mayim. And the Yavanim made us ride on the horn of a ox, the shor. He's the ox. And now we're left with two job vacancies. We have a shoychet and we have a malchamavis. You know, maybe we should put on the bulletins. We have two job opportunities. Shoychet and malchamavis. And they're two qualified suitors for these jobs. Esav and Yishmael. They're both vying for the job of Shoichet and the job of Malchamaves, in my opinion, they're both very well equipped and trained for both of these jobs. The Shoichet and the Malchamaves. Presumably, the Malchamaves is last man standing before Mashiach comes. So me, living in America, I would like to think, you know, Esav is the last man standing. So I would have interpreted, and I think it's reasonable, you know who the Shoichet is? He's Ishmael. After all, Avram Avinu gives the cow to Yishmael to do what? To do shechita. 
to train him in mitzvahs. So I would have said, Yishmael is a shaykhet. And the Malach HaMavis, my grandfather saw him. Dr. Mengele, the angel of death. Esav. And I would have liked to assume like Rav, America is the last man standing, like Toysvus Navoy And that Esav is the Malach HaMavis. Reb Chaim says, nice try. Reb Chaim says, Esav is a shaykhet. And he brings many, many chazal that Esav is referred to as a shaykhet. And Chazal say about Yishmael, all other nations plunder money, Yishmael plunders souls. Yishmael is Malcham of us. Says Reb Chaim Kenevsky, Yishmael is the last man standing. Says Reb Chaim, and the proof is the Balaturim at the end of Chayisara. The end of Chayisara, Chayisara ends, Alpnei kol echav nafal, it talks about the downfall of Yishmael. Ve'elah toldois Yitzchak, the Balaturim says, when Yishmael falls in the end of days, az Yitzmach ben David. <coughs> says Reb Chaim, last man standing, we go like Rebbe, we go like Rabbi Yochanan, Asida, Roimi, Shatipo, Biad, Paras. And he's saying, Rabbi Gladstein, you disturbed my Sunday. Yishmael is the last man standing? What an unpleasant thought. So I would like to just to conclude by sharing with you a perspective on this. And I think it's a historically accurate perspective. And I think it, in a way, will put us at ease. But it's just a theory. When we talk about that, in the end of days, there'll be two superpowers, and one will fall to the other. So we perhaps have like a science fiction perspective on this. There'll be a nuclear war, there'll be a war, and one will conquer the other. Who's going to conquer who? Roimi or Paras? Who will be the last man standing? Does the Gemara have to mean that? Any student of history knows... What happened to the Roman Empire? Was the Roman Empire ever conquered? Was it ever defeated? Did the Persians come with a big invading army and overcome Imperial Rome? Never happened. What happened to the Roman Empire? Political disillusionment. It crumbled from within. It disintegrated at the seams. They realized that they were bereft of any value. They realized they had no value system. And they realized it was not a civilization or society. So nobody conquered it, nobody defeated it. There was no war, it just crumbled at the seams. Could the Gemara mean that in the end of days, there'll be two value systems in the world? The value system of the Western world. So-called Judeo-Christian value. Values based on the Bible. And then the values of extreme Yishmaelim, Yishmael. Well, where they actually stand for something today, although it's not good. Where they have a value. But does Roimi have a value today? United States was built on the values of the Bible. Does it still continue with these values? Does this, is this country still built upon 
the values that it was built upon. When the Gemara says, Asida Roimi Shatipo Biad Paras, does it mean that Paras will conquer Roimi? Or will the day come where Roimi will wake up in the morning and say, actually, with the, the, the border open, and the majority of this country consisting of people who don't want anything more than to see the downfall of it, where does anyone actually still believe in the values that the country is built on? Where the country is having an identity crisis. Where Yishmael, yes, it's extreme, but it is meyusad on a certain value system. And they're willing to give it all up for it. So when the Gemara says, Asida roimi shatipo biad paras, you know, there's more than one way to look at that. And of course, Mashiach will come and he'll reveal that Enoid Movadoi and what the true value system of the world is. And that Hashem Echad. But it's worthwhile to think about what the Gemara predicted in the end of days there'll be two superpowers. One is called Roimi, one is called Paras. The Maral identifies Paras as Yishmael. But I don't think it has to be. The same way other Malchiois fell without being conquered. We're living through a transition. We're seeing every day what's happening to Roimi, what's happening to Paras. But one thing's for sure. This is a fourth juncture to be Mitzapel Yeshua. Because Chazal tell us that at the downfall of Yishmael, Oz Yitzmach ben David. Chazal tell us the fifth and final Golos is Golos Yishmael. So while Shmona Esrei, when you say Ki Kivinu Kalayoim, is a juncture to await the coming of Mashiach, and when you daven Kabbalah Shabbos, it's a juncture to await the coming of Mashiach, and every time you do a mitzvah that's Zechel Itzias Mitzrayim, it's an opportunity to yearn for the coming of Mashiach. But if you're privileged to be witness to these extraordinary times where we see the Golos Yishmael, it's a special opportunity to be Mitzapel L'Geula. And if you think, well, you know, the Gula hasn't come for so many years, is it going to come for a little old us? Please let me conclude, and I've been saying this in almost all my shiurim. You know, Reb Schwab on the Siddur, he has a, a remarkable interpretation of the words we say every day, Ahava Rabba Ahavtanu, which is usually understood to mean, with a great love you have loved us. Reb Schwab says this is not what the words mean. I want to ask you a very simple question. And I myself, I think I would have answered it incorrectly before I saw this comment of Rav Schwab. If I were to ask you, who does HaKadosh Baruch Hu love more? You? Your grandparents? Your great-grandparents? Earlier generations? Who does Riban Shem love more? I always thought the answer is, Hashem loves them more. You read us Hadoyrois. Mo'ani o machayai. My tefillah doesn't hold up to their tefillah. My masim toivim doesn't compare to theirs. So probably Hashem loved them more. Says Reb Schwab, no, 
Ahava Rabba. Rabba doesn't mean great. It means ever-increasing, expanding. The Yibam Shem's love for the Jewish people gets more and more and more. You know what the proof is, says Rav Schwab? Hey, I could tell you my own time. When I was a kid, I was in high school, so the Rebbe would give a share, so hopefully you were listening. If you weren't listening, before the test, you'd have to, you know, figure out the Gemara. So they had something called the Sensino Gemara. You know, Sensino Gemara, so you'd open up the Sensino, and then you would look at it in, you know, an archaic translation in the Queen's English, and you realize that you actually understand the Aramaic better than you understand the English. And then when, when I was in 8th grade, Art Scroll came out with Gemara Makos. Wow. I could learn Masechet on my own now. And then they came out with Hamafgid. And then slowly, 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 they came out with the whole Shas. Not for my great-grandfather, not for my grandfather, not even for me, for my kids. And now if you have a, a, a problem with any Rashi and Shas, Masifta Gemara is Mavair every Rashi and Shas, every Toysus and Shas, you can get Art Scroll Toysus now. Says Rav Schwab, why? Why is the Torah expanding? Why is there so many opportunities today? Because the Rebbein loves us more today than he ever did. So if the Mashiach didn't come yesterday, that's because Hashem's love for Klai Yisrael yesterday was only infinite to the 10th power. Tomorrow it's going to be infinite to the 11th power. So the, the era that we're living through provides us with another special opportunity to be Mitzap Yeshua. And in the Zuchus of our coming together this morning to prepare ourselves and to elevate our focus on this very important subject, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu bring the Geula B'Karev Mamish, and we should all be zoicha to see in our times the Geula Shlema V'Yaskal Tzedek V'Mher V'Yaminu Amen. Sure. Thank you, Thank you, You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.